Switches podcast. At this time, when this releases, we have officially enter- entered spooky season. It is October. Oops. <laughs> it's time for the spooks. Spooky. I know. Time for a graveyard. That's what it means. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've literally been putting off watching Beetlejuice. Because oh I want to watch it so bad, but I, it's not spooky season yet. I have not watched Beetlejuice in so long. Like, literal ages. I want to say it's been, like, more than a decade. Bruh. You better watch Beetlejuice again. No, it's a long time. I keep seeing, like, it's trending right now, so I keep seeing all the, uh, for his song, the Beetlejuice song, where he's like, "All you gotta say, all you gotta do is say my name three times." That one. Yeah. Yeah. Keep seeing it everywhere. I used to watch it. Like we used to watch Beetlejuice and then watch uh, Drop Dead Fred right afterwards. Like you, we had to watch them together. It was a requirement. They had to go together. Even though Drop Dead Fred was not a child's movie. No. I mean, Beetlejuice wasn't really a child movie, but... No. Better than... I have watched Adam's Family most re- more recently than I've watched Beetlejuice or Drop Dead Fred. Wow. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't even know if I love Beetlejuice as a whole movie, but I love Beetlejuice, the character. Yeah, he's a good character. That's, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> as a Batman fanatic. It's like, everybody loves Michael Keaton, remembers him as, oh, he was Batman, and blah, blah, blah. No. He's Beetlejuice. And I don't hear anything else. He made a play, and then it became a movie, about how he felt typecasted and stuck after being Batman, because that's what everybody remembered him as. And all I do is feel bad, because I'm like, Michael Keaton, that's not I, That's not what I remember. I mean, I remember it, but... I remember when you were Beetlejuice. I remember Beetlejuice, man. Great. An icon. That's what Beetlejuice was. <laughs> Iconic. There's been like five or six Batmans. There's only been one Beetlejuice. It was Michael Keaton. It was lovely. You know, though, tar- not like going away from Beetlejuice and Drop Dead Fred, um, another movie that I think is like spooky season material, but we don't really think of it as spooky season material, is the original Jumanji movie is scary it's spook as fuck it's creepy but we don't it's not a horror movie like i agree with you it creeps me out oh man i just remembered casper too i used to watch those two movies bumped up together also 
talking about Casper later. Okay. That is my media. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I didn't mean to step on your toes. <laughs> step on my media toes, Casper. My bad. Well, what, what are you I talking about today, then? Ghosts. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> ghosts. We're talking about ghosts. We're talking about the spooks, literally. <laughs> Motherfucking ghosts. <laughs> spooks. <laughs> talking about fucking ghosts. Uh, you have ghost experience. I don't have any ghost experience. You know what? I have experience of these fucking motherfuckers screaming down the hallway, and I'm about to go out there. I swear to God. These hallways echo hella bad and I need these motherfuckers to go in their room and stop being in the hallway so cool I'm gonna distract you with some ghosts thanks because it'll keep me from going out there like period is still in full force and I am ready to flex her oh god no stay in here we're gonna talk about ghosts (laughs) so to get it out of the way, for those of you that think you may be being haunted in your home or in a building, please be sure to contact your local contractors to check your carbon monoxide alarms and to check you know, your house and the structures to make sure that there isn't something more practical causing you distress like monoxide poisoning or a creepy, spooky, haunted water heater or some floorboards. An attic that you haven't been in in a while. Um, your wiring also might be bad, like going bad, because that can cause paranoia-type feelings. All of those things. We like to talk about magic and stuff here, but we also have to be practical. Sometimes it's not ghosts. But right now we're about to talk about ghosts. Sometimes it is ghosts. So let's talk. <laughs> Sometimes it is ghosts. So, I am coming at this topic with the idea and belief that ghosts exist. I think discussing ghost theory about whether or not ghosts exist should be its own separate episode. We ain't doing that today. Fair enough. Like, that was, I thought about it and I was like, no, 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 that's a whole other can of worms. I just want to talk about ghosts. So, if you are a non believer of ghosts, go away. <laughs> I don't need an email being like, actually. Ghosts don't exist. I didn't ask you all that. (laughs) So this episode, I just want to dive into ghost lore and just more spooky stuff about ghosts. So, ghost. The simplest, I have verbs. Again, it's the coffee. I just, I have verbs. I'm on my period. I'm gassy. (laughs) The simplest definition of ghosts is that they are the souls of the dead. Mostly dead people or animals, but there are also stories of ghost ships, like the Flying Dutchman, or such so, maybe even objects can become ghosts. If you believe everything has a soul or energy, then I guess why not be a ghost? I'm just going to talk about like people, though. Ghost people. Ghost people. So, yeah, distract me ghost. from trying to make one of these people out in the hallway a ghost people. <laughs> the 
deliberate attempt to contact the spirit of a deceased person falls under the umbrella of necromancy. One well-known and portrayed example of communicating with ghosts is via seance. It's the easiest thing to put in a movie. It's the easiest thing to make look spooky spooky. The Victorians liked it. It was a good party thing. <laughs> Let's have a seance. Try to talk to some ghosts. Like a stupid person. <laughs> That's what stupid people do. Fucking with stuff they don't I understand. Got, I know. Let's break out the Ouija board. If Survivor heard that at a party, I'd leave. Right. Like, no. Especially especially if you knew they weren't, like, witchy and didn't know. No. That, nah. Bye. Well, see, because the problem with that is not even the ignorance, but the problem with that is, like, if you don't believe in that, you're immediately inviting something malicious. Because it's going to feed off of that. So you're going to invite a demon in, and you don't even believe in demons. Nope. <laughs> no. And then that demon's going to make you believe in demons. <laughs> the demon was like, oh, you go believe in me today. <laughs> demons? <laughs> demons. <laughs> your boy. It's your boy. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so other terms associated with ghosts are apparition, haunt, phantom, poltergeist, shade, specter, spirit, spook, wraith, demon, and ghoul. All of those can mean ghost, soul of a dead person. According to a 2009 study by the Pew Research Center, 18% of Americans say they have seen a ghost. Various botanicals are said to repel ghosts, such as rue, garlic, Authentic carnations, synthetic carnation smell will not work. You have to put up, like, bouquets of carnations. Oh, interesting. Interesting that they use carnations to welcome the dead in Mexico, though. Huh. Mm -hmm. Suspicious. Suspicious. (laughs) And Hawthorne also repels ghosts. Hawthorne, though, is the most important plant for fairies. So, be very careful taking any Hawthorne, because you may get rid of ghosts, but you're going to have another problem. So, <laughs> make sure you respectfully ask the fairies for the Hawthorne. Or, if a branch is on the ground, not connected to the plant anymore, you can take that. But, be careful, because you're going to get rid of ghosts, but you're going to have a whole other fucking menace in your house. Yeah, you're going to just have a bunch of pissed off fairies instead. I'd rather have ghosts. Honestly, at least they can't steal shit. (laughs) Seriously, at least ghosts are apparitions. Fairies are assholes. (laughs) So, I've explained to you what a ghost is. Now we will get into some ghosts. Also, I did try to pare this down, otherwise we'd be here, like, all day. There's lots of ghosts. Well, to be fair... I struggled a little bit with research only because I don't know too many ghost stories personally. And also, I kind of wanted ones that were real. Lots of ghost stories are made up, like, as in, like, written down by somebody or a book or whatever. So, like, no, no, I want real ghosts. Real ghost stories. I'm starting with Japan. Hell yeah, brother. Starting with the East instead of the West. Now, Japan's got some spooks. Fuck. Japan's got some Japan's got some spooks, but I'm also just going to explain the Japanese idea of a ghost. So, 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> As previously talked about, we've already talked about Okami and Yokai. We're getting into some other spirits. So, basically, a Japanese ghost is a yurei. Yurei are figures in Japanese folklore analogous to the Western model of ghosts. And the name consists of two kanji, yu meaning faint or dim, and rei meaning spirit or soul. So it's a faint spirit. Similar to their Chinese and Western counterparts, which I don't have the Chinese definition of ghosts. I didn't think to look it up, sorry. They are thought to be spirits barred from a peaceful afterlife. The word yurei is now sometimes used to indicate any kind of ghosts, but a yurei is technically a specific kind of ghost, which is a ghost with a vendetta. The worst kind of ghost. Right? Fucking poltergeist out here. <laughs> so the following causes may create a yurei. Sudden unexpected, sudden unexpected death or a death in particularly tragic circumstances, which would be your murder or a suicide. Yes, suicide does count, even though that's not unexpected because you know a suicide's coming. You prepare yourself for a suicide. It's still particularly tragic. A death while experiencing overwhelming negative emotions like rage, jealousy, hatred, even love or sorrow, inadequate, incorrect, or no funeral rites. Those are how you get your raise. That makes me sad thinking about no funeral rites. Like, I know you're dead, but it just makes me sad because it means there's nobody there who wants to do them for you. Sorry. Ignore me. <laughs> I'm having a moment right now with my knitting. <laughs> <laughs> so, the easiest way to exercise a yurei is to help it fulfill its purpose. When the reason for the strong emotion binding the spirit to earth is gone, the yurei is satisfied and can move on. Traditionally, this is accomplished by family members enacting revenge upon the yurei slayer or when the ghost consummates its passion slash love with its intended lover, or when its remains are discovered and given a proper burial with all rites before. So basically, whatever was keeping it here, when that is no longer keeping it here, it goes away. The emotions of the onryo are particularly strong, and they are the least likely to be pacified by these methods. In onryo which means a vengeful spirit or wrathful spirit, is a yurei capable of causing harm in the world of the living, injuring or killing enemies, or even causing natural disasters to exact vengeance to readdress the wrongs it received while alive. So these are superpower ghosts because they're ghosts, but they can physically harm you or touch you or like make a monsoon happen. That's how fucking mad they are. Have you ever been so mad that you got, like, a monsoon happened? I don't know, but I know they believed we could cause lots of stuff during our periods back in the day. Seriously. Which, uh, is the same thing, you know? <laughs> so, I bring you some ghosts. In fact, I bring you a ghost. I bring you Miss... Kuchisaki Ona. (sighs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Miss Kuchisaki Ona is the slit-mouthed woman. Great. Miss Kuchisaki Ona, according to legend, was a woman who was mutilated during her life. With her mouth being slit from ear to ear. Just a straight-up Glasgow smile like the Joker. Great. So what you mean is I'm going to see her tonight. <laughs> She's going to be my sleep paralysis demon tonight. In some versions of the story, Kuchisaki Oda was the adulterous wife or a mistress of a samurai during her life. As punishment for her infidelity, her husband sliced the corners of her mouth from ear to ear. Great. Other, <laughs> other versions of the tale include that her mouth was mutilated during a medical or dental procedure. Worse. That she would, yeah. That she was mutilated by a woman who was jealous of her beauty. Or that her mouth is filled with numerous sharp teeth. After her death, the woman returned as a vengeful spirit or onryo. As an onryo, she covers her mouth with a cloth mask, which is particular in our pandemic. That doesn't give me comfort. Right. Have a cloth mask on. It is often specified as a surgical mask. She's just trying to avoid the COVID, you guys. <laughs> in some iterations, it's a hand fan or a handkerchief. That's covering her mouth. She also carries a sharp object with her, which has been described as a knife, a machete, a scythe, or a large pair of scissors. Oh. The scissors would make the most sense. The scythe would cause the most damage. Questions. She is... She, I'll just... It's just... It's just... It's too much for me. She is said to ask potential victims if they think she is attractive. If the person answers no, she will kill the person with her weapon. And if the person answers yes, she will reveal her mutilated mouth. She then repeats her question, or she asks something along the lines of like, how about now? And if the person responds with no or screams in fright, she will kill the person with her weapon. If the response is yes, she will slice the corners of the person's mouth from ear to ear, resembling her own disfigurement. So this is the this is what I got from the wiki. She is in the Encyclopedia of Spirits by Miss Judith Isles. And Miss Judica says she is a low-level spirit. So no matter what you answer, she's going to kill you because she can't think. It just activates her. It's not really any thought process behind it. That is how those spirits work. Which is how Miss Judica explains why giving her something to think about is how you save your own skin. Mm. That's what the wiki says. An individual can survive an encounter with Kuchisaki Ona by using one of several methods. In some versions of the legend, Kuchisaki Ona will leave the potential victim alone if they answer yes to both of her questions, 
Though in other versions, she will visit the individual's residence later that night and murder the person while sleeping. Great. Are you still fucked? Either <laughs> way. Other survival tactics include replying to Kuchisaki Ona's question by describing her appearance as average, giving the individual enough time to run away. The way Miss Judica describes it is that if you answer the question vaguely, she can't think. So it's frustration because she is going to try and be distracted and think about what you meant, but she can't do that. So it gives you enough time to fuck off. Um, the I would say the easier way <laughs> that you can distract her by giving or throwing money or hard candies, particularly the kind of candy known as Beko Ame, made of caramelized sugar, in her direction, as she will stop to pick them up because, as Miss Judica says, that is what low-level spirits do. Low-level demons do the same thing. It's like old, if you know anything about vampires, you know, that's why they count. Low-level entities have OCD. Which is why throwing poppy seeds or just seeds or candy, anything that's numerous, they will stop to pick it up and count it. Or the wiki says, you can say the word pomade three times. I don't know why. Strange. It's a but weird specificity. I would just go with the candy. Yeah. The candy or the Stick money ton of it in your pocket. I was gonna say there's there's a chance being in Japan that you have a pocket full of change so just go ahead. Now this should give some people some comfort. Miss Kuchisaki Ona actually this was so popular that it said I think 19 it said the 70s but I think specifically 1979 school children they would they had to be escorted like all of them. They were also afraid to go home. Miss Kuchisaki Ona is different because most female ghosts, which most of these are going to be female ghosts, that's just society, but most of them prey after men or older people. Miss Kuchisaki Ona goes for children. Um. So, honestly, a lot of us are safe. <laughs> she goes for young people and children. Which, I mean, we are young people, but I, I kind of think we're safe. Yeah. She likes to ask the children. Yeah, I don't know why she's particular about that, but she is. Well, I mean, there's more chance of you getting a scream out of them, you know? I mean, she wasn't killed by a child, though. I know. It's just interesting. Maybe it's just like how in Russian culture everything wants to eat your baby, so... No, literally... Everything wants to eat your baby. So, there are more Japanese spirits. If I make it through this and there, it's a little bit quick, I may do another one, but we have some spirits to get through. But Miss Kusa, I think Miss Kuchisaki Oda is enough for me. Just, just so we are clear. She's. I I agree. Miss Kuchisaki san, why? <laughs> I don't want to see it. I have some other types of ghosts. I have some Roman, ancient Roman ghosts. Hmm. To be fair, this is 
was interesting because I never thought to look at other cultures' depictions of ghosts, especially like I mean, not especially ancient ones, but I just I just never thought about it. Ghosts are ghosts, but no, they all have different ideas about what makes a ghost or what a ghost does or whatever. So in ancient Roman times, Roman spirits of the dead were called larvae. That's not what we use that word for now, but... Yeah, I know, I was like, hmm. <laughs> so, the Romans had various categories of ghosts and ancestral spirits. And although there is plenty of speculation, the distinctions between them are not always clear anymore. Just like everything else that's ancient Egyptian or ancient Roman or ancient Greek. That shit's gone. We are literally guessing now. So, larvae are generally con- assumed... I was going to say considered assumed to be malevolent ghosts who enjoy scaring or harming humans. Great. There are also lemures. Yes, that is where we get the word lemur from. I don't know who did that. Like, They're who the rude. fuck? Who saw these cute animals and said, yeah. Those. Lemur. That's what we'll call them. So, lemures may represent the wandering and vengeful spirits of those not afforded proper burial, funeral rites, or affectionate cult by the living. You know, they weren't grieved long enough, basically, for their standards. Can I just say, that's debatable. How long do you want me to grieve, Grandma? <laughs> Keep grieving. That's what you grieve, is like. You, you grieve me. until I tell you. Like, God, do you grieve until I tell you to not grieve anymore. Goddamn, Grandma. <laughs> so, Lemures, thus, are not attested by tomb or votive inscriptions. Uh, the writer Ovid interprets them as vagrant, unsatiated, and potentially vengeful demoness or de parentes, ancestral gods or spirits of the underworld. To him, the rites of their cult suggest an incomprehensibly archaic, quasi-magical, and probably very ancient rural tradition. Like, they didn't even know then. That's how old this is. They were like, what is that? Bro, I don't know. These fucking ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) So, Limures were formless and liminal, associated with darkness and its dread. In Republican and Imperial Rome, May 9th, 11th, and 13th, yay, were dedicated to their placation in the household practices of Limeralia and Lemuria. Wow. Isn't that great for me? (laughs) It's my birthday and a ghost could come into my house. The head of household, or the paterfamilias, dad. Just the dad. That's who that is, him. Would rise at midnight and cast black beams behind him with an adverted gaze. The Lemurians were presumed to feast on them. Black was the appropriate color for offerings of Chthonic deities. If you remember when I talked about Hermes and his Chthonic form, he liked, you know, red wine. We want the Scorpio colors here. So, William Ward Fowler interprets the gift of beans as an offer of life and points out that they were a ritual pollution for priests of Jupiter, or Zeus. But this is Rome, so he's Jupiter. 
The Lemures themselves were both fearsome and fearful. Any malevolent shades dissatisfied with the offerings of the paterfamilias could be startled into flight by the loud banging of bronze pots, which is usually what the paterfamilias did after they did all this. There is a whole ritual, and I'm just like, it's fine. It's just, whatever. It's just too much. <laughs> to ensure you don't have angry ancestors in your house, Nana's going to come back and be like, I'm sick of y'all. <laughs> Sick of your shit. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of everybody that looks like you. It's like Nana. That's all of us. We all look like you. She's like, no, I know. Nana. I'm sick of myself too. <laughs> Wish when so I had died, I I'd actually died. <laughs> I don't have a specific ghost, but that was how Rome viewed ghosts. Spooky, spooky ghosts. You literally have three days dedicated to these ghosts to ensure that they didn't come in your house. That they were just appeased and would go away. I bring you another spooky lady. Great. So, we have Miss La Sayona. I thought you were going to talk about... I thought you were about to say La Yorana, and I was like, oh, here we go. No, she's next. Okay. (laughs) So, La... La Sayona is a legend from Venezuela, represented by the vengeful spirit of a woman that shows up only to men that have love affairs out of their marriages. Good bitch. (laughs) (laughs) The name Sayona refers to the cloth the ghost wears, which is a long white dress similar to a medieval undergarment. The legend claims that when this woman appears, she asks for a cigarette or for a ride. And after a while, when the victim tries to see her face, he notices that she has instead a skull with horrible teeth in it. There is no face. Well, then. The legend says that La Sayona was a young woman named Casilda. She lived in a small town in the plains of Venezuela and was the most beautiful girl there. It's usually how this goes. She was married to a great man who was caring and loving. Casilda and her husband had a baby boy. One day, Casilda was swimming naked in a nearby village. And I had to, my brain had to stop because there was a typo. I was like, wait. (laughs) So she was swimming naked in the nearby river. There we go. And then a man saw her. But after that, the man would always follow her and watch her bathe in the river. And one day, Casilda saw him and told him to leave her alone. And he ignored her and instead told her that he was there to warn her. He said, your husband is having an affair with none other than your mother. Oh. Casilda ran home and found her husband asleep with the baby in his arms. Now, obviously, because it's a ghost story, this is straight from the wiki because this is the story. In the Encyclopedia of Spirits, where she is, of course that's changed. P-Baby cheated with somebody else, or cheated with the woman's mother. Why would you do that? That's fucking too much, dude. I'm not sure if it's debatable if he cheated at all. 
Because the rest of this, I'm going to read it. But the rest of I mean, debatable. But we're just... There's also no motivation for this man to tell her in the river. Yeah. It's, like, interesting. Suspicious. Suspicious. So, blind with anger... Well, obviously, we know what happens. She's a ghost. But blind, blind with anger, she burned the house down with them inside. Okay, but wait, okay. But why does it seem like every story from South America always has to do with a woman killing her family? What the fuck? Well, when I get to La Llorona, I might have an answer for that. So, you just wait. Because, <laughs> well, like, I'm talking about, La, like, I'm remembering La Llorona's story, and it's just like, Jesus Christ. Anyways, sorry, continue. Ignore me. So, the villagers could hear their screams while Casilda ran to their mother's house. Her mother, excuse me. I don't know how to read. Her mother's house. She found her on the patio and attacked her with a machete, striking her in the stomach. And as her mother bled to death, she cursed Casilda, telling her that from then on, she would have to avenge all women by killing their unfaithful husbands. Uh, story as sketch as it is, she's doing us all a favor. <laughs> yeah, well, it kind, it, it kind of makes me think that the mom, um, the, the, the way the mom cursed her, it's kind of like you should be blaming your unfaith, like the unfaithful dudes, and not the women they were unfaithful with. B- barding the fact that the mom knew she was married, like the mom knew yeah. he was married, and whether she had an affair with him or not, besides the point. <laughs> I, I, I understand. <laughs> I, I see. I mean, <laughs> like the women should not be fighting over the men's. Who are fucking around. Like, my favorite... One of my favorite things that I've seen on Instagram recently is the two girls, like, the girlfriend and the girl he's been seeing on the side are standing next to each other, and they called him, and he immediately hung up when he picked up the phone. Mm -hmm. And they just started laughing. And I was like, see, that's the kind of energy you need. Like, don't blame each other. Blame the dude. Yo. Some girls are crazy, so... Uh, from that day forward, Casilda became La Sayona. In other versions of the tale, Sayona appears to men working in the jungle. She manifests when her unsuspecting victims talk to their workmates about sex or think of women they left behind in their hometown. Sayona appears to such men, assuming the likeness of beautiful woman, or as... A loved one. And then she lures them into the forest so she could reveal her features of the no face and teeth. (laughs) And devour them or mangle them and then leaving their wretched bodies for their companions to find in the jungle. Well. So don't cheat on your lovers. Shouldn't have been sticking your dick where it doesn't belong. Good thing I'm single. (laughs) Same. (laughs) So, that may have sounded a little bit familiar. Because in Latin American folklore, 
We have Miss La Llorona. Listen, we all know this bitch. If you don't know this bitch, I'm going to explain her to you. <laughs> if you don't know this bitch, you clearly didn't grow up around Mexicans or other, like, South American folk. Maybe you don't live in America. Or over here, rather. Just, just over here in general, but, I mean, maybe you live in France. I don't know you. <laughs> we do have a couple across-the-sea listeners. Just a few, yes. but... A few. They're we there. We see you. Hello. Hello. We appreciate you. <laughs> so La Llorona is, you know, the weeping woman or the wailer. What is up with these women wailing? Banshees? La Llorona? Maybe they're we'll finally stop. getting all of their frustration out that they wanted to scream so much in their lifetime. Probably. So, Miss La Llorona is a ghost who roams waterfront areas Mourning her children, whom she drowned. Yeah. As one virgin. Virgin? As one what? virgin is. So the legend has a wide variety of details and versions. In a typical version of the legend, we have a beautiful woman. Woman? Hmm. Person? A beautiful <laughs> woman <laughs> named Shochi. Oh, oh. Please, Mexicans, don't come for me, please. I'm trying. <laughs> Xochitl. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's as close as we're getting. That's mm. it. <laughs> so she's a beautiful native woman who marries a rich ranchero or a conquistador with whom she bears two children. Lovely. Except one day... She sees her husband with another woman. Here we are with the adultery. Again. If you cheat on your wife, she's going to die and then become a ghost. Is that what you want? <laughs> Is that what y'all want? It's what y'all deserve. For cheating. Fucking cheating asses. So she sees her husband with another woman and in a fit of blind rage, she drowns their children in a river, which she immediately regrets. We've all been there, not murder. But we've all had that moment of anger, and then, like, in two seconds, the blinders come off, and you're like, oh. Right, you just broke something and cut your hand open or something? Like, literally. Like, me the other day, I threw something, and that piece of plastic almost cut my face. I was like, oh, well... I'm still angry, but now I'm hurting instead. (laughs) So, unable to save them and consumed by guilt, she drowns herself as well, but is unable to enter the afterlife, forced to be in purgatory and roam the earth until she finds her children, which they are, they're gone. They're, they're in the, they're in the next dimension. In fact, they're probably reincarnated three times over at this point. So, Miss La Llorona, you're not going to find them. (laughs) It's not funny, but there's no, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were kids. They didn't have any sins. Yeah, they were gone. So, in another version of the story, her children are illegitimate. 
and she drowns them so that their father cannot take them away to be raised by his wife. Reoccurring themes and variations on the La Llorona myth includes white dresses, nocturnal wailing, and an association with water. So the mother archetype of La Llorona has been tied to patriarchal expectations of women in Mexican and Mexican-American culture by several authors, historians, and social critics. Because they all know how to read. <laughs> They're not dumb. They, they know how to read things. <laughs> social critics often consider Mexican and Mexican-American culture to enforce patriarchal standards unto women, such as being defined by their roles as mothers. La Llorona's falling into the trope of an evil or failed mother having either committed infanticide or having failed to save them from drowning can be considered a reflection of this. Now she's doomed to walk the earth because she failed as a mother. I mean, don't drown your kids. Don't do that. That is mother failure and, uh, yeah. That is, that is not the job of a mother. But... But you know what? The dudes never get repercussions for failing as fathers, so that's the bullshit part of it, too. Yeah. So, early colonial texts provide evidence that the lore is pre-Hispanic, originating in the Central Highlands. However, La Llorona is most commonly associated with the colonial era and the dynamic between Spanish conquistadors and indigenous women. The most common lore about La Llorona includes her initially being an indigenous woman who murdered her own children, which she bore from a wealthy Spaniard after he abandoned her. The villainous qualities of La Llorona, including infanticide and the murdering of one's own blood, is assumed to be connected to the narrative surrounding Dona Marina, also known as La Malinque, or Maltinzin in her original nomenclature, who you would know as the traitor, quote-unquote. She was the translator for Cortes, who then basically let the conquistadors come and kill all the Aztecs, basically. And had his kids. Mm. <laughs> I don't falter, you know. On the one hand, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, a woman's got to do what she got to do sometimes. Yeah, you didn't have very many options back then. Nope. Like, none. No options. your people and then they all raped him anyway yeah i know how i we all know what ha- happened we know how so colonization goes i hope we all know how colonization happened so today the lore of la Llorona is well known in mexico and the southwestern united states i mean a movie came out oh it yeah spooky i i've been meaning to watch it i still haven't yet but Oh, so if you, I glossed over, she's the weeping woman or the wailing woman because she's looking for her children. She's known to say some variation of, oh, my children, where am I to take you? Or something along those lines, which is not only talking about her own children, but also why she's associated with pre-Hispanic ancient Mexico, because she's seen as also a harbinger of doom for the Aztecs, as in she knew what was going to happen. Some also believe that she is associated with an Aztec goddess whose name escapes me right now. That she probably might not be a spirit, as in a ghost, but a spirit, as in a goddess. Interesting, Miss La Llorona. 
Yeah, I like... (laughs) Like, the crazy thing is, is growing up in Yuba City, we heard those stories, too. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think I was in, like, second grade the first time I've heard of La Llorona. I mean, I'm sure Cuba has their own version of La Llorona, but it's wild, to be honest. Yeah. The idea is that, you know, don't go outside after dark, or don't go near the river, or else La Llorona's gonna come get you and drown you in the river. If you hear a woman screaming in the night, just go home. For the love of God. If you, if you hear a woman screaming in the night, go home. <laughs> go home. That's just good advice. Yeah. That's survival instincts. Go in your go home though. So, I have some colored ladies for you. Mm, Though not not necessarily colored ladies, but you'll see. We have white ladies, gray ladies, and green ladies. These are all different types of ghosts. These are Western ghosts. Although, well, let me not. I have it right here. Let me not speak before I get there. (laughs) (laughs) So, white ladies are mysterious apparitions. Some are true spirits, as in deities, and some are ghosts. In general, they have their appearance in common. White ladies are called white ladies because they appear cloud-like and translucent or semi-translucent. Many white ladies were dark-haired or dark-skinned when they were alive, but what matters is how they look now. They're called white ladies because they are white, like literally, like light, clouds. Some ghosts or spirits dressed in white are also called white ladies, though many are more accurately called ladies in white, as the only thing about the white about them may be their clothes. Hence, Miss Lyrona would be a lady in white, basically. Or Miss La Sayona would also be a lady in white. Not necessarily white ladies, because they are not translucent. But they wear white dresses. Many ghosts wear white. Which I'll also get to. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's many reasons for white ladies, but most of them died for love. Many died as brides on their wedding day. Aww. Hence why a lot of them were white. As we know, in other cultures, white is a color of mourning, which is why... They wear white. And maybe you were just wearing white that day. I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know her. Maybe she just had on white. Some white ladies died of broken hearts. And some white ladies were killed by their lovers, husbands, or fathers who opposed their romances. Like, I don't have to explain to you all the medieval times. Literally, women medieval were not times. safe nowhere. Can't even be safe in your own home. Although some haunt the scenes of their deaths, others pursue their true loves through eternity. So whereas Miss La Llorona maybe can't even find her children and they probably reincarnated three or four times, these white ladies don't care. They know where you are and they're probably following you. <laughs> if you have a ghost, the same ghost, maybe look at that. Maybe you were somebody else in a past life. That's why she's there. Hmm. That's scary. Yeah, right? 
knows is following me. I don't know her. She knows you. Oh. Well, clearly that does not matter in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) So, white lady ghosts are eternal wraiths. Many are particularly active spirits, making regular appearances. White ladies are sometimes a tourist draw for hotels, castles, and mansions. White ladies that get a kick out of spooking people tend to haunt public places. (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She's just like, what else do I have to do? Some of them are where they are because they want to be. This hotel says, come see our ghost. And she said, yes, come see me. Yeah. White ladies are generally harmless, and they are generally left alone, as in they're not exercised, because it would take too much work. They don't do anything. Some can even become attached to families who live with them, and then they become a protective ally. Mm. That's interesting. So some, some white ladies are very attached to where they are, and then they become attached to you, and then... They will tell everyone else. They will start to spook people to leave you alone. So we also have gray ladies. Gray ladies are described as such because they tend to manifest in shades of gray. Whereas green ladies and white ladies are usually described wearing their respective colors, gray ladies are not wearing gray. Many have been seen wearing black, brown, or white. However, when you catch sight of them, especially out of the corner of your eye, your first impression is of a gray, amorphous form. Gray lady. Gray ladies also tend to be women who died for love, either violently or from pining away. It's very sad. You know what makes that worse? Hmm. They were probably, like, married. They also probably had kids. But you're still pining away in your heart. Because they're not the one. That's like if your, like, husband was a soldier and he died. Uh. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) (laughs) So gray ladies tend to haunt castles and houses, seeking to reunite with loved ones. In general, they are not dangerous. They probably want to be left alone, and you probably should leave them alone. So... The Green Lady is a type of apparition that haunts along the British Isles. There are many Green Ladies whom have very little in common beyond their supernatural natures and their green dresses. Green Ladies were green. Hello. It writes itself. These aren't creative. White Ladies, Gray Ladies, Green Ladies. It says what it is on the tin. (laughs) They weren't trying to be creative. They were just letting you know. We have a green lady here. Oh, why is she called that? She wears green. Duh. Oh. Like, literally, like, oh. It's like, fair enough, okay. Roger, Dodger. <laughs> so those are some types of Western type of ghosts. I, like, I didn't try to avoid stories, but also, I'm like, there are so many ghost podcasts, you don't need me. <laughs> ghosts for us. Oh, that's interesting. I know. <laughs> I've gone full circle. 
<laughs> so we have, I'm going to butcher all of this. And if you're Thai, I'm sorry. We have a Phi Thai Hong, which is a ghost of Thai folklore. And it is a vengeful and restless spirit of a person who suffered a violent or cruel death. If you suffer a violent or cruel death, you're just going to become a vengeful ghost. Every culture agrees upon this. Why do we persecute murderers? Maybe it's not even because of the murder, but just because you're going to make a scary ghost. Mm-hmm. And now we're all fucked. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so a Phi Tai Hong usually has its origin in a man or a woman who died suddenly, often without the observance of proper funerary rituals. Bury your dead, people. Fuck. Literally, it's not hard. A candle vigil, something. Bury them, burn them, send them out to sea. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> something. According to the Royal Institute Dictionary. T- wow. Dictionary. <laughs> the official dictionary of Thai words. Thai Hong means to die an unnatural and violent death, such as being murdered or drowning. And Phi Tai Hong means the ghost of a person who died in such a manner. The word Hong has two components, great suffering and suddenness or unexpectedness. With the latter component being more prominent because people who become Phi Tai Hong are not able to prepare themselves for death. These types of ghosts symbolize how life can end unpredictably and anyone can become victims of death. Great. So there is a distinction between them and, if, for example, cancer patients who do suffer greatly but are aware of their condition and potential death. Suicide victims or prisoners who are executed also do not fall under the category of Phi Tai Hong because their deaths are anticipated. According to Thai oral tradition, Phi Tai Hong are especially dangerous and aggressive because, due to their sudden death, they were unable to fulfill their dreams and desires while alive. As such, their anger and sorrow are manifested in the form of a vengeful ghost. It is believed that the first seven days of a person's death is when their spirit is most actively seeking revenge, and the living are advised to avoid the area where they had died. You don't, you don't have to advise me to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that. All on my own. living people in the same manner of which they had died themselves and as a consequence they are among the most feared ghosts in Thai culture mm-hmm. <laughs> yes you know because <laughs> if you find out somebody was murdered and then you hear all the details bro you don't have to ask me to avoid that area because I'm not going out like that by some ghost no no <laughs> na na culture blames these types of vengeful spirits as one of the most difficult to exercise I, I, I assume yeah. it's like no shit this, this is due to their particularly violent nature and because they actively haunt areas where their death took place including houses exorcisms can be very complicated involving arcane ceremonies so exorcists really are just taking a big old sigh you're just like, okay. Well. <sighs> just fuck. All right. They died where? 
Bro. <laughs> so, stories about this kind of spirit and the exorcism ceremonies that are needed to be free from them are popular in Thai publications. As they would be. So, there is another distinct form of a Phi Thai Hong known as Thai... together with her child in her womb. Oh. So most of my <laughs> it's not funny, I'm laughing because I'm scared. <laughs> the most violent and vengeful manifestation of Phi Tai Hong comes in the form of ghosts called Tai Thang Klom or Tai Thong Klom because they are the ghosts of pregnant women who died alongside their unborn child, typically due to childbirth complications. And these ghosts are even more malevolent because two lives were lost, not just one, resulting in the power of two spirits. They never separated. You basically have two Bai Tai Hongs together. Great. And this isn't even like a murder. Because it, it could not even, because it could just happen. But now we have a vengeful ghost. <laughs> I'm good. I'll just no. not go to Thailand. Uh, I have one more famous ghost. Okay. We have Miss... Oh, God, hold on. <laughs> we have Miss... Maynack. May... I'm going to say Maynack. I want to kind of say Maynock, but we're going to say Maynack, because that is how it's spelled. She's very famous in Thailand. So... Miss Maynack, in life, was a chieftain's daughter. This is one version of the story. There's many versions. That's how it goes. But she was a chieftain's daughter who rejected an arranged marriage with a rich merchant to elope with Mac, M-A-K, who was a handsome but poor gardener. So she married for love. She said, no, I love this man. I'm going to marry this man. They moved and went to Phra Kanong. Kanong, yeah. A village east of Bangkok to labor as rice farmers. So due to urban sprawl, this village, which is also the site of her primary shrine, is now part of Bangkok. So if you want to go visit her shrine, it is in Bangkok, which is the capital of Thailand. So, Miss Maynack is also estimated to have lived in the 18th or 19th centuries. So, Nack and Mac were star-crossed, star-crossed, star-crossed <laughs> tragic lovers who adored each other and were deliriously happy until Mac was conscripted into the army, as happens, and he left pregnant Nack behind. So... I'm reading this version from the Encyclopedia of Spirits. I have also read the wiki, so it's not wrong. It's just there's different versions of the story, as there is. But the gist is the, the gist. Is the gist. <laughs> um, it says, although not emphasized in most modern retellings, Nack was very much a stranger in the village. She was a young, rich, pregnant girl 
who was unused to manual labor, left alone with no family or husband, at the mercy of not necessarily sympathetic strangers. So this may explain some of the ghost's later hostile behavior. So Knack had a slow, difficult labor, and her son refused to emerge from the womb. Mother and child died in childbirth. If you're wondering, why was this the end? Because I just explained to you what happens when that happens. <laughs> and she became that ghost. The most dreaded ghost. So, I did not say this before, but when this happens, the mother and child, or the body, uh, it, they are not cremated, but they're buried in an attempt to confine their souls underground in the hopes that this ghost stays down there and does not come up here. I was like, yeah, but then they come out, they're going to be even more pissed. <laughs> like, I just, I mean, at least they buried them. Yeah. I guess they just could have done nothing. I suppose they thought, well, we can't do nothing, but if we burn the body, we release, we release it. <laughs> release the kraken. Oh, God. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> Naxal would not stay buried. Obviously, that's why we're talking about her. She would not rest in peace, and she would not travel to the appropriate next realm. Because the love Nak felt for Mac transcended death. So she traveled to him, found him injured on the battlefield, and cared for him. Oh. I know. <laughs> they eventually returned to their village together. In some versions of their myth, he's tended to by Buddhist monks and returns home to find Nak and his son patiently waiting. So again, Mac and Nak lived, quote-unquote, happily together. Uh, but Mac was unaware that Nack was dead, as she was completely corporeal, at least to him, and behaved lovingly, at least to him. He noticed... It's not funny, but I'm laughing. He noticed the neighbors behaving strangely, cold and distant, but he blamed this on them and not on Nack. Bad things happened to neighbors who tried to warn Mac that he was living with a ghost, and so they allowed him to live with the ghost. You're, they're like, you know what? She's not killing him, so I guess it's like... You know what? I'm not going to die for him. You know what? Stay there. You know what? It's not that important. So one day, Mac dropped a lime through the floorboards of their home on stilts, which was 15 feet above the ground, which was not a problem. She just stretched and stretched and stretched out her hand, retrieving the line from the ground below. Oh. And then Mac realized something was wrong. He's like, hmm, that's not normal. <laughs> he literally went, hmm. Suspicious. <laughs> a few more macabre experiences, and then he fled. Max said, I gotta go. Listen, y'all. So he took refuge with um, some neighbors. Mac, if you're gonna run, you, you better run, dude. I was gonna say, if you're gonna run, you might as well get out of the fucking village. <laughs> At the very least. So now Get out of Dodge. <laughs> I just... He's stupid. 
he <laughs> enraged at Mac's abandonment. So clearly his love was not stronger than death. Although I don't know how far my sympathy goes for a ghost. I really respect her hustle. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> if I were in the same position, I don't know that I would stay. I'm being honest. She transformed into a ghostly killer, snapping villagers' necks oh. like twigs. Oh. She went off. A she went left. Popped their heads off like Barbie dolls. So, Nack fled. Yes. For a second I had to, I was like, hmm. Actually, I am saying hmm. But I will, this is what the wiki also says, so I will tell you. Eventually, a monk, who was also magically adept, performed a standard Thai ghost disposal, and he forced her soul into a pot. And he sealed it with a magical cloth, and then he dropped it into the river. Oh. I don't know why. <laughs> That's not smart. It sounds like something you bury, but okay. <laughs> but I, well, they did that, and she came out anyway, so I guess he thought. That's the problem, he thought. <laughs> So, Mac remarried, but he did not live happily ever after. Because a fisherman accidentally released Knack. Because he fished out the pot. And then he was like, what's in this fucking pot, man? This is why we have ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Knack was absolutely livid with rage. Same. And she continued... Continued to be a dangerous, vengeful, bloodthirsty ghost. So the monk advised Mac and the surviving neighbors to create a graveside shrine for Nack. So via rituals of appeasement, Nack was transformed into Maynack, which means Mother Nack, who became a compassionate and often helpful ghost who is now venerated as a protective spirit. There was a monk who sealed her soul into the bones of her own forehead of her skull it is said that somebody owns that skull what the fuck you know what uh but the whereabouts of that skull are now unknown so so (laughs) somebody's out here collecting skulls all right somebody has that skull i guess there's weirder pastimes um, her shrine is on the outer edge of a large temple complex in Bangkok. She protects local residents, but is popular throughout Thailand and now worldwide. Despite the horror movies, because there are movies about her, she is a popular ghost. That's what people do. That's what we do. <laughs> so, Miss Maynack is considered generally benevolent now, if a little volatile. She's especially renowned for providing winning lottery numbers and lucky numbers for gamblers. Okay. She reveals numbers through dreams and via Chinese fortune-telling sticks, known as CMC or CMSI. CMC? In Thai. That's what they're called. That is a very specific kind of thing that she does. Out of all the things she could be helpful with, gambling? Which I think, we've all seen these. 
It involves shaking a container of individually numbered sticks until one or more falls out. The grandmama did it in Mulan, too. Yeah. Grandmama in Mulan, she liked to gamble. <laughs> she liked to bet. She sure did. I love that lady. Apparently, Maynak likes to watch television, especially Thai movies. So, you can leave the television on for her, especially when no one is around. Oh, okay. I used to do that for my pets. <laughs> so, when I was little, I thought they'd like it. I'm sure they did. <laughs> they just heard noise. I'm sure they didn't care. They were like, oh. People talking. So, people, I'm not alone. I wonder if she likes to watch her own movies. She's sitting there like, yeah, look at me go. I'm, fuck- <laughs> I'm a badass. <laughs> Or she's like, this actress is garbage. <laughs> well, that doesn't look like me at all. So, Miss Maynack is not easily bribed, and she does not respond to coercion. She only helps when she feels like it. Fair enough. If you, if you have to remember, she was a bloodthirsty ghost who snapped people's necks. You're not going to tell her what to do. <laughs> I was going to say, and isn't she, she now eternally pregnant? So, like... Oh. Well, in one version of the story, she was, he did see her and his son. Mm. So maybe the son, his ghost is separate. Maybe. Depends on who you ask, I guess. I guess. I don't know if they've seen her. I'd prefer not to. I don't want to see her either. You're right. I agree. (laughs) Um, But she accepts comparatively minor gifts, but you must give whatever was promised. She becomes angry if something perceived as hers is taken away or not received, and we know what happens when she gets angry. Next so if you tell time. her, I'm going to give you whatever, you better give her that whatever, what that was. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to become the chicken that she kills for dinner, all right? <laughs> no need to travel to Bangkok. Maynak is venerated at home shrines, and she also visits in dreams. I've seen the pictures that are on the shrines. At least she's not ugly. She was, they said she was a young, rich, beautiful woman. That's still what she's depicted as. So, we have that. She didn't become spooky. She just Unless became dead. Her off. <laughs> she's just dead. <laughs> Miss Maynack offers protection from disasters as well as general prosperity and good luck. She may also be invoked for ritually any kind of aid. However, women traditionally do not request help with conception or fertility for fear they will end up like her. Fair enough. I, I wouldn't. Would you ask her? No. And make her feel sad? No, then she's going to get into a neck snapping mood. <laughs> oh this is kind of um creepy but so it says her shrine's votive statue reputedly made from dirt gathered from seven cemeteries is covered with paper thin gold leaf devotees apply sheets of gold leaf to her statue as offerings the statue is periodically covered with cream to encourage the gold leaf to adhere Sticky stuff. Glue. But with the additional result of making it feel like human flesh. Ew. Ew. Mm-hmm. 
Great. Mm-hmm. So apparitions of Maynack have been witnessed at her Bangkok shrine. And some offerings. Funnily enough, this is also why I saved her for last. She is a ghost you can venerate. Because now she's not even really a ghost. She became a ghost and then became a spirit. Same as some white ladies are spirits and not ghosts. Hmm. Some apparitions you see, and they may be a spirit. So, you can offer her flowers, especially orchids. You can offer her cosmetics, yellow candles, incense, fruit, a pilgrimage. Go visit her. You could just go say hello. Um, Dresses, especially traditional Thai clothing. You can apply gold leaf to her statue and celebrate her by throwing a party in her honor. You can spread her legend by showing movies about her to others or giving copies of the DVDs. <laughs> if you may feel so inclined, although I don't think you will, and I don't think you'll pull it off, you can find her skull and return it to her shrine. If any of you pull that off, if you know where the skull is, give it back. Give her back her fucking skull. Gifts traditionally given to her baby include toys, diapers, baby bottles, and whatever would please a baby or a new mother. It's nice that they give stuff to the baby. Yeah. You didn't forget about the little baby. So, Miss Maynack became the most dreaded ghost. And it's honestly like full circle. She was so feared that you you turned her into a spirit because it was, I mean, what else were you going to do? She wasn't going to go away. (laughs) Right. So you said, well, this is what I meant by accident, though. Like, she wasn't murdered. She just died. It happened all the time in the past. But obviously, that might make a really dangerous ghost. We're just fucked. (laughs) Because you could literally do everything, and the the woman and the baby could still die. It happens today. And this is the 21st century. Yeah. Don't even get me started. I don't want that ghost. I prefer Please. not to get started because that's just going to stress me out. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's a sad ghost, but also scary ghost. Okay, but to make things light for a little bit, could you imagine all these different types of ghosts coming together and having a ghost convention and judging who's the scariest? Like, each oh, year they bring statistics... And they have a scare off to decide who's the scariest of the year. A spook off. A spook off. Oh. <laughs> a spook <laughs> test. Oh my gosh. Spook. It's spooky season. <laughs> oh my god! Every year they have like a competition, and like the last day is Halloween. Yes. Like who spooked? Like who spooked the most people? They have to make sure that they don't bump it up with the 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 gods, like the god con. Oh my god. Deity con. God con <laughs> sounds better though. God con. <laughs> so it's just gonna be a mess. There's too much power in one place at two times. You know what's funny? What? Seeing all these, hearing all these stories, especially the one for Miss Lyarona. My mom actually said she used to live in a house when she was a kid. She was like, she, I think she said she was the only person to see this spirit. 
or maybe my grandma also saw her, but they used to let, they used to have a spirit who was always searching for her kids. I think my mom said she was a native woman. That's I think they, terrifying. Not that. Well, she was scared. Even though she said the ghost never did anything to her, she was just scared of her. It's a ghost. She said she would like open the cabinets and drawers and stuff and leave them open. No. Because she was searching for her kids. Yeah. I think my mom said that they, like, they think she said the story was, I don't know how she found this out. I mean, obviously don't know if it's true. But she said that I think they, the house that they lived in, there was a house before that. They, they, it was in a, like a fire. Yeah. So she's still searching for her children. Which is sad, but also, can you shut my cabinets? <laughs> My mom, because my mom was a stickler for leaving, like, doors and closets open. She hate, she you couldn't leave the closet open. It would make her anxious, and she said that was why. I asked her about it when I was, like, six. It's like, why can't we leave the closets open? She said, because when I was a child, we had a ghost, and she would open everything. Closets, doors, bathroom, door, cabinet. She would leave everything open. You know what? I feel her on that. I don't like nothing open either. I still close my closet. Every damn day, I'm not gonna have no fucking closet demon looking at me while I'm sleeping. You got me fucked up. I don't, it's so strange, because it's like, you know what's in your closet. I don't know what it is, but it's so spooky. You just have it, like, cracked. No. You close that shit. So, yeah. Even when I was a kid, I would... My mom would, like, come into my room, and she would just close my closet. Like, even when I was a kid, I wouldn't even leave my door open. Like, nah, nah, you got me fucked up. It's not happening. Well, my mom would have me do that so she could hear me. But. Yeah, I get that, but, like, I wouldn't. Yeah. I'd be like, no. Yeah. I don't keep it open now because it creeps me out. I'm like, listen, if something happens, my dad's right there. I will run <laughs> or scream. But yeah. I can't leave the door cracked anymore because I feel like someone's going to come in. <laughs> Literally. It's like an invitation. The door's cracked. Someone could just, hello. Hi. No. <laughs> Listen, if Mr. Hermes wants to see me, he knows where to find me. I'm not leaving the door cracked. Like, he doesn't even need the door to be cracked. Just fuck. Whoa. Windows, doors, closet, nothing. Everything closed. Oh, yeah. I can't even sleep with the window open. Uh -uh. (sighs) Uh-uh. So. Ghosts. All different kinds of ghosts for your spooky pleasure. That was a lot of different kinds of ghosts, too. Good shit. I mean, generally, though, they were all the same, because it's all vengeful ghosts. Yeah. People who were wronged will come back as a ghost and kill you. Good spook shit, though. That's not that's not rocket science. <laughs> no. Maybe don't murder people. Don't murder anybody. You know, maybe don't <laughs> murder people and be faithful. And if you're not going to be faithful, divorce your wife. Fuck. I know. Don't murder anybody and don't cheat on your wife. So long as you don't do that, you're okay. What do you have for us? I am going to be talking about Persephone. The fucking queen of ghosts. Ghost queen. Ghost queen. So Persephone is another goddess that I've pretty much always had an affinity for. Um, But it was... Mostly it was just because it was easier for me to work with her because she's a woman. Like I said, I have issues 
when I was talking about Apollo, I have issues that I'm working through them, but it's hard. Particularly, I've always had a thing for the Persephone and Hades myth. Like, literally, I'll just gobble up anything that has to do with them. So, Persephone. Also known as Proserpina and Proserpine and Kor. Anyway, her parents are Zeus and Demeter. And most people know her as the abducted bride of Hades. Uh, Because he knew Demeter would never agree, Zeus and Hades made arrangements behind her back, and then Hades proceeded to kidnap Persephone. They weren't expecting Demeter's... He said, (laughs) Zeus said, you gotta do this on the DL, fam. And he said... You gotta be swift. She can't see you. And Hades said, bet. He, she won't even see me. I was never there. He knew the assignment, <laughs> but it was. He followed the assignment. He knew the assignment. He didn't do a good job. <laughs> um, yeah, so they were expecting Demeter's retaliation because she did retaliate, just passive-aggressively for the most part. So she searched for Persephone and refused to help make the crops grow. So when Demeter strikes, meaning when she doesn't help make the crops grow, that means there's no food for the people, which means there's no food for the gods. Because people stop burning foods for the gods when they don't have food to eat. (laughs) How am I supposed to make you bread if I don't have any bread? Right. So eventually a deal was brokered, and due to Persephone having eaten six pomegranate seeds while she was down in the underworld, she has to spend... She has to spend half the year with Hades and the other half with Demeter. Together, mother and daughter preside over the mysteries of the ancient world. Despite this, it is believed that Persephone, interpreted as a destroying of faces or bringer of destruction, was actually the original ruler of Hades before the god Hades himself. Much like Anubis before Osiris. And due to this, they believe that Hades may have had to kidnap Persephone to get to the throne. But that's just another interpretation. Uh, Before I continue, I am getting all of my information, just like the other two, from GreekMythology.com, Encyclopedia of Spirits by Judica Isles, worldhistory.org and the histories press or the historypress.co.uk so persephone is the goddess of spring fertility agriculture the harvest and she's also the queen of the dead her celestial body because she also does not have a planet not everybody has a planet and she's one of those Her celestial body is actually asteroid 399, which is called Persephone. She didn't have, like, a particular sacred day, but in my opinion, I would associate her with Saturday. And I'm thinking primarily because of Baron Samedi is also associated with Saturday and some of the other, like, what is it called? Like, death deities are associated with Saturday. So that's where I would put her with. Unless you're trying to go with her, uh, like, 
goddess of spring personality or a what's it called not vestige essentially the other side of her the goddess of spring side of her you might pick a different day which i don't have one in mind right now but that's up to you and also the month of may because may is supposedly when she returns to her mother it is fixed spring yep so the numbers that I saw for her are both two and nine. She actually has children, which I should have known, but I didn't realize. So she has uh, Melino, wait, Melino, M-E-L-I-N-O-E, and she is the goddess of ghosts and spirits. Then there's Macaria which is goddess of a blessed death, or blessed death, not blessed. Then there is Zagreus, and he is the god of hunting and rebirth in the underworld. And then there is Plotos, which is the god of wealth in regards to agriculture. Sacred animals for her include bats, black rams, parrots, and other talking birds, as well as dogs. Her plants are asphodel, narcissus, wheat, lily of the valley, willow, mint, daisies, lavender, pomegranate, back, back, black <laughs> poplar, roses, and spring flowers. And some of her other symbols are torches and cornucopia. I have not seen the word cornucopia in so long. And I saw it today, and I had to sit and think for a second. I was like, I know this word, but what does it mean? <laughs> Her colors include purple, black, dark red, but also spring colors depending on which side of her you're trying to call to. Like I said already. Stones include onyx, hematite, obsidian, and other black crystals as well as so some some other stones I associate with her are blood uh, bloodstone ruby garnet gold and amber offerings and things you can put on the altar are wine peppermint tea honey spring flowers pomegranate cornucopia vanilla almond bergamot um, scents either perfumes or uh, incense, crowns, spring water, dark chocolate, pink tourmaline, plush toys, like uh, stuffed animals. You can also tend a garden or keep plants, practice herbalism, learn about flowers, meditate outside, and visit a graveyard or honor the dead. Her favorite people are widows. Hecate is her handmaiden and messenger, while Artemis and Athena are her friends. Aphrodite is her rival. They do not like each other. They do not like each other one bit. Well, Adonis shouldn't have happened, and then it would be fine. Well, I'm going to talk about Adonis, so don't worry. Well, well, but, well, but, listen, don't get me started. I like Adonis, but, bro, So pick a lady. <laughs> Some myths about Persephone. The first one 
I have is uh, that she and Aphrodite both fell in love in, in love with Adonis. And because they couldn't decide who deserved him, Zeus split uh, made him split his time between them. Eventually, he decided to remain with Aphrodite instead of going back to Persephone, which pissed her off. <laughs> so as much as we like to think of Persephone as, like, the cute goddess of spring and she's all nice and, you know, stuff like that, she can be vengeful. And she was at this point. She sent a boar to kill him, and he died in Aphrodite's arms and became the anemone. Anemone flower. I will never be able to say that perfectly. I can just hear Finding Nemo, just anemone. Fuck. Anemone. Anemone. Fuck. Anemone flower. Anemone. You know what? It's fine. Point being is, he said, fuck Persephone, and she said, okay, fuck you. And he died for it, so... Okay, like, I'm trying to pick sides, but he was Aphrodite's first. But that's why I said, he didn't need to do all that. He could have just, he could have just not. It's his own fault. Next, um, I've talked about the story with Myth before. Eat it. What? Fucking fat fuck. Anyway. Like, anyway, go ahead. So, I've talked about the story of Nymph before because it just tickles, tickles me. Tickles me every time. Um, so, though Persephone didn't have to worry over Hades' fidelity, because out of all of the Olympians, the only one who's actually loyal to their wife is Hades. So she didn't have to worry about his fidelity. Um, but Minth decided to run her mouth anyways. So, she, she'd once been her mistress, her, his mistress, before, uh, before he mar married Persephone. Supposedly. Allegedly. And as such, Minth decided to boast that she was more beautiful than Persephone and would get Hades back. So instead of dealing with her, Persephone turned her into a mint plant. At least she didn't die, I suppose. And the last thing I have is that when it comes to visiting heroes, Persephone is often depicted as the one, the only sole person to make the decisions concerning the heroes. So this includes letting Heracles leave with Cerberus and... Admetus and uh, Elcestus. Oh, fuck, I don't know how to say that name. Anyways, those two people soul-swapping. And there was once a human who came down. His name was Pirithus. He tried to abduct, uh, he tried to abduct her along with Theseus, and now he's forever fixed to a seat in Hades. So it didn't go too well for him. I, the, the, I didn't, it didn't go into it what I was, where I was reading this. It didn't go fully into how he ended up like that. But I just have the hope 
that he came for Persephone and she looked at the two of them and said, nah, nah, no. And that's what I have. Short, sweet, to the point. She's the goddess of the dead. So if, well, goddess of the underworld, queen of the underworld, I should say. If you want to petition somebody to like speak with spirits or something like that, you can petition Persephone and ask her for her help. As well as, you know, she's a goddess of fertility, so she's also a goddess of spring. So you have, if you're going to be Perse per, um, I just said the word, petitioning. If you're going to be petitioning Persephone, you kind of have to think of which side of her you're trying to get to. Because there's the one that rules the underworld, and then there's the goddess of Springside. So you kind of had two aspects of her to look at. Of course, they're the same. They're still the same goddess, so they still kind of get interwoven together. But I see them in different lights because you're still trying to petition her for two separate things that don't go together. But that's what I have. What's your medium? Oh, Persephone. Well, there's lots of stuff about ghosts. So I was like, I had a lot of options. <laughs> I just went with my gut because I just thought of Casper the whole time. So Casper. Casper the Like, I can pick ghost. lots of things, but I want to talk about Casper. So I'm talking about general Casper. Obviously, there's a movie. There's a video game. I'm talking about just him in general. Um, because he is of a comic, which then became a cartoon, which then became the movie. So, Casper. <laughs> Casper. Which then became other cartoons. So, Casper the Friendly Ghost is the protagonist of the Famous Studios. That's what it's called. Famous Studios. That's presumptuous. I know. But... He is the protagonist of Famous Studios' theatrical animated cartoon series of the same name, Casper the Friendly Ghost. He is a pleasant, personable, and translucent ghost, but often criticized by his three wicked uncles, the ghostly trio. Stupid ass. Fucking. Just ass and ass uncles. Three musketeers over there. Oh. So. The Three Stooges. That's what I wanted more. <laughs> Literally. So the character was featured in 55 theatrical cartoons made between 1945 and 1959. The character has been featured in comics book, comic books published by Harvey Comics since 1952, and Harvey purchased the character outright in 1959. Casper became one of the Harvey's most popular characters, headlining dozens of comic book titles. So Casper was everywhere. People were eating up Casper. Same. He's cute. He's cute. Casper is nice. I don't like to think about how he died. No, no. But he's a he's a child ghost, so that's there's no good answer. Following Harvey's purchase of the character, Casper has appeared in five television series. Maddie's Fun Day Funnies from fifty nine to sixty one, the new Casper cartoon show from sixty three to seventy. Casper and the Angels from 79 to 80, 
The Spooktacular New Adventures of Casper from 96 to 98, and Casper's Scare School from 09 to 2012, which of course is the one I remember. Only because I just kept seeing it. But not like it itself, but like ads or things. Yeah. Like Casper, get out of my face. <laughs> like, I love you, but not that much. <laughs> so, the character made a theatrical film appearance in a live action adaptation released by Universal Pictures, Casper, which came out in 95. Wow, really? Yes. Damn. Which also good. had Miss Christina Ritchie in it. She was the girl character. Right. Casper, Casper's not real. He wasn't acted. He was made in a computer. She's a real person. He became the first ever computer-generated character to star in a film. Oh, that's cool. He would later appear in four direct-to-video and made-for-TV follow-up films. So, Casper... Casper was created in the late 1930s by Seymour Rate and Joe Oriolo, the former devising the idea for the character and the latter providing illustrations. Initially intended as the basis for a 1939 children's storybook, there was at first little interest in their idea. When Rate went away on military service during World War II before the book was released, Oriolo sold the rights to the book to Paramount Pictures' famous studios animation division for a total of $175. I don't know what it was then, but I'm assuming that is inflation. Or maybe it's not inflation. At the time, it was $175, and I don't know how much that would be now. But either way. Either way, it wasn't as much as it made. <laughs> for, for real. This one-time payment was all that he received, missing out on a share of the revenue earned from the films, comic books, and merchandise to come. That's called not having hindsight. Or yeah, foresight, right? rather. Paramount said, yeah, we'll take it. Sure, whatever. The Friendly Ghost, the first novel tune to feature Casper, was released by Paramount in 1945, with a few differences from the original book. In the cartoon adaptation, Casper is a cute ghost child with a New York accent who inhabits a haunted house along with a community of adult ghosts who delight in scaring the living. He's already cute from the start. That's <laughs> all. Casper, however, is a nonconformist among ghosts. He would prefer to make friends with people. Yeah, because he's a child. I mean... He don't understand. He wants to make the friends. He packs up his belongings and goes out into the world hoping to find friends. However, the animals that he meets, a rooster, a mole, a cat, a mouse named Herman, and a group of hens, take one horrified look at him, scream, a ghost, and run off in the other direction. Aww. Distraught. Okay, we have to remember this is 1945. I just watched a Looney Tunes cartoon where Bugs Bunny shot somebody, so. <laughs> our, our, um, our grandparents were crazy people. <laughs> so, distraught, Casper unsuccessfully attempts to commit suicide, apparently forgetting that he is already dead. Oh. God damn it, old people. <laughs> 
by lying down on a railway track before an oncoming train. He said, well, this is it for me. (laughs) No, stupid. You're already a ghost. Before he meets two children named Bonnie and Johnny. Ha ha. Uh, I don't why do they rhyme? I don't know. Um, who it's become like his Brad friends? and Chad. <laughs> like, why would you name your twins that? That's just sadism. Silly. It's dumb. <laughs> the children's mother, apparently widowed and impoverished, at first is frightened of Casper because he's a ghost. And then, Casper, I'm sorry, but you are a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) But later welcomes him into the family after he unintentionally frightens off a greedy landlord who, unwilling to own a haunted house, tears up the mortgage and gives her the house outright. That's not how things work, but that was nice for him. It's like, I'm glad that worked out for y'all. The short ends with the mother kissing Bonnie, Johnny, and Casper as she sends them off to school with Casper wearing clothing as if he were a living child. Oh. How? I don't know. He's translucent, so I I guess. Okay. I don't know how the clothes did just slip onto the ground, but whatever. It's a cartoon. So this is the theme for a few of the other cartoons. And um, some of them, as I've just said, are a bit dark. Because old people were just dark, scary. Why do they continue to critique us for having like songs that are like WAP when it's like, um, you used to show cartoons of Bugs Bunny like shooting people and Casper getting ran over. So I don't want to hear it, Nana. And also, y'all want to talk about our like, (laughs) (laughs) our people, our people, like, People nowadays who are transgender, but you still had Bugs Bunny dressing in drag and fucking... I know, like, y'all didn't care then. Like, hello? Don't. Shut up, Grandma. Can it, Nana. <laughs> y'all can't talk. So, even though they were, like, successful cartoons... Um, they were criticized by animation historians and viewers uh, because the plots were always the same. It's Casper trying to make friends, people being scared of him, and then he finally gets a friend. Fair enough. It's like Scooby-Doo. Uh, seriously. Literally the same storyline over and over and over again. Literally. So, that's Casper. Now, I'm sure most of us are sitting here being like, I remember the movie. You're right. He's Casper, which came out in 95, is is what we think of now, is Casper. But do I remember the cartoons? I mean, like, no. Like, I know they exist because I've seen, like, drawings of Casper. But listen, cartoon. Animated computer movie of Casper with live action. That's Casper. He was translucent. It was great. It was great. There was a video game that came out, and that was even good, because that was actually a translucent character. Like, he was translucent in the video game. It was pretty crazy, because uh, I don't know how they did that in 95, but shoot, they did. <laughs> it says the film. First, the film makes extensive use of CGI to create the ghosts, and it is the first feature film to have a fully CGI character in the lead role. 
good for you, Casper. <laughs> uh, it goes for a much darker interpretation of the friendly ghost in comparison to the comics, debatable. But in compared to the comics, cartoons, and films of the previous year, especially with the themes of death, most notably providing the character a tragic backstory that addresses his death. Because that is something that I feel like is always a question. How the fuck did Casper die? We're not going to talk about that, okay? Except Casper said, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> but I want to talk about it. Nobody else wants to talk about it, but I want to talk about it, it. It's like in 95, they talked about it. If you want to know, in 95, the movie said he died of pneumonia. Oh. I didn't need to know that, Casper. <laughs> Casper, I didn't want to know. It didn't matter. It was going to be sad either way, and I didn't want to be sad, but then he said it. Fair enough. <laughs> then he said so. Makes me think of Balto and all those kids that had pneumonia in that movie. Oh. Oh, he was 12. Oh. Oh. Well, I guess, I guess that would be something that you could die from back then. It says, it says right here. Um, cause he, he says he doesn't have any memory of how he died until, you know, he restores, Cat, Miss Cat here restores his old playroom to remind him of how he died, which is kind of fucked up. It's like, great. I don't think he wants to remember. Like, those memories are suppressed for a reason, I'm sure. I just can't. <laughs> and she, of course, Miss Supported Character here, her mom died. So she obviously is already interested in death in the way a 13-year-old might be, but I would also argue it might be the wrong way. It's very much that I've never seen death before, and now I have, so now I'm curious. How do you die? Where do you go? It's what you do, but also, that's don't let Casper... Casper don't want to remember, dear. It's not... It's fucked up. Don't get me started on Casper. I just want to hug him. Like, I'm sorry you died. That's how I feel. Like, I'm sorry you died, Casper. So, what had happened was, Casper recognizes an old wooden sled that his father had bought him, and he remembers playing outside until he caught a severe cold and died of pneumonia. I mean, that could happen now. Yeah. Sort of how that goes. You did what you were always told not to do. You fucking caught your death. You caught your death of cold, literally. That's why we're told, don't do that. Bundle the fuck up, Susan. <laughs> that's how my, that's how we caught my grandma's lung cancer. She kept getting, like, bronchitis mm. and pneumonia. Then we said, Grandma, maybe go to the doctor. <laughs> also, yeah, Kat and Casper. Casper is interested in the, in the cute 13-year-old girl, because... Because Casper's a Casper's a child ghost, but also he's a ghost, and it's very that's very unfortunate, Casper. You can't date the you can't date the cute lady who now lives in your house because you're not you're dead. As much as that's like a Victorian's wet dream, you can't. I know you can't. So anyway, that's a okay. Spooky season. This is a good children's spooky movie. I was going to say, that's your one. <laughs> yeah. As I said, Miss Christina Ritchie is, you know, in her, I don't want to say debut, 
I think it might be. It doesn't say it right here, so I hesitate. But she was, you know, a child. So, Christina Ritchie, one of her young roles. It says before she was cast, Scarlett Johansson and Kirsten Dunst were both considered. Oh. Which I also would have been good to have either of them, too. Yeah. That would have been fine. So we have ghosts. Casper and ghosts. And also, Casper's got lots of cartoons. And a video game. You can literally get your Casper fill. Literally. Just binge it in a weekend. Literally. just I just want to be binging Casper. So, that's what I have. Okay. I'm like, I could think of so many things about ghosts. <laughs> I know. I had like three <laughs> running through my head while you were talking about this stuff. Literally. And I honestly, was going to talk about toilet about Hanako because I was going to talk about Hanako but then I didn't talk about Hanako so then I was like well I don't want to talk about the anime now because I didn't bring up the actual ghost story fair enough honestly I was thinking I was thinking about the grudge the entire time uh yeah and I only ever watched that movie once and I'm never gonna watch it again I am still scarred from it I did not talk about those two ghosts either because Miss Sadako is based off of two ghosts. Great. She gets the well thing from one ghost, and she gets her fucked up visage, her scary face, from a different ghost. And her appearance is just generally based off of Unrios, how they look. The white dress, the unkempt hair. That is how they looked in Kabuki plays. So that's why she looks like that. That was, like, how they differentiated. You needed a cue to know that's the spooky ghost. Right. So, that's why they look like that. <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't talk about those ghosts either. And I'm glad. But she's based off of two ghosts. You're welcome. She's based <laughs> off of two ghosts. And I was like, great. Awesome. I fucking hate this. Uh, yeah, because I didn't want to remember those movies. I still have that one scene burned into my brain. And I still hesitate going up dark stairs. I, that's, that's the mm. <laughs> mm. What's your media? I'm also talking about something that's not scary, but is Halloween-y. Great. I am talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. Because it's that time of year to start talking about it. Oh, God, I, I did love that it. thing. I did that thing you do as a kid, even though I'm not a kid. And I made my dad sit down and I showed him a whole bunch of things. <laughs> like a whole bunch of movies and stuff? Yeah. And I ended up showing him. I was showing him the Oogie Boogie song from Nightmare Before Christmas. And I was showing like Corpse Bride. And I was showing a bunch of other stuff. I did that annoying thing you do as a child. I am still technically his child. You yeah. can't get rid of me. Right. So, like, sorry, Dad, but not sorry. Oh, to be fair. It comes to the- I didn't intentionally show my dad My Hero Academia, but my dad, my dad did sit down and watch a couple episodes of My Hero Academia with me. I showed my father as well. My, I think my dad got to, like, episode two or three when... Fucking Midoriya's on the ground sobbing in front of All Might. And my dad's like, 
Man, the Japanese are so emotional. <laughs> you act wow. like our TV shows aren't emotional. But anyways. Nightmare Before Christmas. If you don't know it, you need to watch it. Because it's great. Do you live under a rock? How? How have you gone this long? So, Nightmare Before Christmas, also known as Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, is a 1993 American stop-motion animated musical dark fantasy Halloween Christmas-themed film. Could you guys add it any more adjectives? Uh, directed by Henry Selick. This was his feature directorial debut. It was produced and conceived by Tim Burton, as you might have assumed. It tells the story of Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween Town, who stumbles upon Christmas Town and becomes obsessed with celebrating the holiday. Danny Elfman wrote the songs and score and provided the singing voice of Jack. Really? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Both of us are here went what? <laughs> the principal voice cast also includes uh, Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hare, William... What is that? Oh, God. William Hickey? I think that's how you say that name. Ken Page, Paul Rubens, Glenn Shaddix, and Ed Ivory. Ooh. The Nightmare Before Christmas originated in a poem written by Burton in 1982 while he was working as an animator at Walt Disney Productions. Wow. Okay, so... I've literally seen a video, like, he was working on it while they were making, like, uh, The Fox and the Hound or something like that. I remember he was oh. drawing in the background. I was like, wow. Tim, I don't think that's for you. <laughs> right. Tim, I don't think that movie is your vibe. So, the plot, if you don't know, if you haven't watched it, you need to. It's only 76 minutes long. It's not that long. Just sit down and watch it. It's got great music, man. Man. <laughs> so the plot. Halloween Town is a fantasy world filled with various monsters and supernatural beings associated with the holiday. Jack Skellington, re uh, respected by the citizens as the Pumpkin King. I just got, like, for no particular reason, I got Kotsky vibes out of that. <laughs> um, as the Pumpkin King leads them in organizing the annual Halloween celebrations. However, Jack has grown weary of the same annual routine and wants something new. Wandering, into the, wandering in the woods the next morning, he encounters six trees containing doors leading to the other holiday-themed towns and enters one for Christmas Town. Did he? I, I don't remember him doing that on purpose. I remember him falling in, but okay. Yeah, he fell in. <laughs> Um, awed by the unfamiliar holiday, Jack returns to Halloween Town to show the residents his findings, but unaware of his idea of Christmas, 
They compare everything to their ideas of Halloween. However, they do relate to one Christmas Town character. It's Rula San Rula. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ruler Santa Claus, or Sandy Claus, as Jack mistakenly calls him. Jack sequesters himself in his tower to study Christmas further and find a way to rationally explain it, but ultimately decides that Christmas Town deserves a break and announces that Halloween Town will take over Christmas this year. Jack assigns the citizens... As if you're allowed to do that, Jack. (laughs) Right? Jack assigns the citizens of Halloween Town Christmas-themed jobs, including singing carols, making presents and building a sleigh pulled by the skeleton reindeer. Sally, a beautiful ragdoll woman who secretly loves Jack, experiences a vision that their efforts will end disastrously, but Jack dismisses this, tasking mischievous trick-or-treating trio Lock, Shock, and Barrel to abduct Santa and bring him to Halloween Town. Jack tells Santa he will be handling Christmas in his place this year and orders the trio to keep Santa safe. But against his wishes, they instead deliver Santa to the Oogie Boogie, or to Oogie Boogie, a gambling boogeyman who plots to play a game with Santa's life at stake. Sally attempts to rescue Santa so he can save Jack from his potential fate, but Oogie captures her as well. I'm not going to go into the last one because then it's just going to ruin the whole thing. Literally every scene you've said, I was playing the song in my head. No, literally. Like, I literally couldn't help it. Every time you were describing something, I could imagine the song. No, literally. And I love it so much. It's so good. Like, <laughs> fucking just the part where he goes to Christmas Town is just, what's this? What's this? <laughs> There's white shit in the air. Not the actual, <laughs> thank you, not the actual uh, lyrics. But close. Oh my god. It's for the best. Like. It's so good. It's so good. It's a musical, as most Disney movies are. Although, okay, I'm not saying I didn't think this as a kid, because I didn't care, but the last time, I had just recently watched it, and the last time I watched it, I'm like, wow, I am grown. Because all I could think was like, Jack, you can't just steal, Jack. (laughs) Jack. Like, the whole time I'm sitting here like, Jack, Jackery Skellington, like, that's how I feel, like, we suddenly yeah, become what? the mayor instead of Jack, like, Just literally, Jack, why do you, <laughs> where do you get off on just taking it, like, clearly you were never told no, clearly you do have some Kotsky traits, <laughs> well, because it was like, why, you, your intentions are good, but you can't do that, like, I get it, but also, you can't. That's not how this works. Well, like, literally, you can't just take it and just tell Santa, oh, I'm going to take it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be the one to run it this year. You'll, you like, take a break. He didn't ask for a break, though. Like, literally, Santa was like, um, hello? I'm sorry. Excuse me? Who are like, you? Like, literally. No, you can't do that, now. It's not how it works. Literally. Hmm. Elfman also voices Beryl and the clown with the tearaway face that the self-described clown who rides a unicycle. Interesting. That is interesting. Catherine O'Hare plays Sally. Wait. She... 
Oh. She also co-starred in uh, Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. She was the mom. Oh. She... Uh, the girl's mom. Oh. She also voices Shock. So, there we go. Yeah, she was the yuppie mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I have. Well, also, fun fact. The reason Tim Burton didn't direct it, he directed it, was because Tim Burton was too busy making Batman. Oh, well. Because <laughs> they came out at the same time. So Tim Burton was like, hey, I'm going to do this if you do that. <laughs> he said, bet. That's a friend. That's a good friend. Wait, so I'm looking at the um, the box office thing. There's this little box office section. And it says, around the release of the film... Hoberman was quoted, I hope Nightmare goes out and makes a fortune. If it does, great. If it doesn't, that doesn't negate the validity of the process. Uh, the budget was less than any Disney blockbuster, so it doesn't have to earn Aladdin-sized grosses to satisfy us. The film earned uh, $50 million in the United States in its initial uh, theatrical run and was regarded as a moderate sleeper hit. The Nightmare Before Christmas made an additional $11.1 million in box office gross in its 2006 reissue. The 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2020 reissues earned $15.8 million, $2.5 million, and $2.3 million, respectively, increasing the film's total box office gross to $91.5 million. Wow. Interesting. Critical response. The film initially received positive reviews from critics, and it has since gone on to receive widespread critical acclaim, with critics and audience praising the originality and creativity of the visual and storytelling elements, soundtrack, characters, and innovative use of stop-motion animation, particularly most of the effects. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds a rating of 95%. Wow. <laughs> That's actually a lot for Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Which have an average rating of 8.27 out of 10 stars. The site's consensus reads, The Nightmare Before Christmas is a stunningly original and visually delightful work of stop-motion animation. Huh. Also, that director then went on to make Coraline. No, no surprise there. Coraline's also yeah. really good, though. Yeah, it is. But that's what I have. I love that movie. I love that movie. I love that soundtrack. I love everything about it. It's one of those things how we were talking about when we weren't recording. That's one of those things that's like, I know they call it sleeper hit and whatever, but I mean, most people like it. And it is definitely one of those things where it's like, it's trendy and it's everywhere, especially for Halloween. So you could be like, okay, but I, but it's actually good. Yeah. It is actually, like, really good. <laughs> Although, okay, hold on. Did Danny Elfman get any sleep? Because he also did all the compositions for Batman. <laughs> so, Tim Burton, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Danny, are you okay? Does he ever sleep? I feel like you see Danny Elfman everywhere. Especially for Tim Burton. Yeah. Every time Tim makes a movie, he calls Danny, and then Danny goes, okay. Because they understand each other. <laughs> Literally. They're just one brain cell like we are. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. 
So if you want to hear more from us, <laughs> especially during this spooky season. Yes. We're back. Another spooky season. Back, bitches. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast, Or you can shoot us an email, mixedwitchespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Society6, which is also at mixedwitchespodcast. Or you can have head over to our website, which is mixedwitchespodcast.squarespace.com. We've got all our episodes up there, and we occasionally post a blog post. Very, Sometimes. very occasionally. But I hope you guys... Enjoyed the episode. I hope you learned something new. I hope you got a little spooked with the ghosts because I definitely am going to be seeing some spooks tonight, probably. <laughs> Living in Japan. That's going to be great. Call upon Hecate. She'll take them away from you. I hope so. So, yeah. Hope to, get, hope to see you guys next week. And, uh, bye. <laughs> Our minds were getting faded Did not appreciate all that they created We're chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Thinking more, but doing less Keeping score, but failing at the test, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Chasing after that witch's brew Got nothing better to do Cause y'all sailing down Easiest street again Damn X marks the spot Or is it all Getting high then Feeling so low Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn
about paradise Play those cards, baby, roll those dice, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Start to go and then you stop cause you're sailing down easy street again. Damn, almost within reach, but out of your grasp. The last drop at the bottom of your glass, you're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn.